pastors Michael and Brenda Brunzo welcome you and thank you for listening to the following message. This message was recorded during a regular service at Faith Fellowship Church. The Bible tells us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we believe this message will encourage and strengthen you in your daily walk of faith. God bless you as you listen. From Brother Hagin's book, The Believer's Authority, and I don't know, this is what, part four or five? I think it's part five. Uh, let's open our books to Ephesians, the first chapter, 17th verse. We'll start with our, as Brother Hagin put it, golden scripture. Our baseline scripture, the foundation for our teaching. It says that the God, I'm going to put it in first person personalize it for us, but the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would give unto us the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. The eyes of our understanding being enlightened that we may know what is the hope of his calling with the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. So tonight we're going to look at, among other things, faith, role, and authority. How I many knows you have to exercise faith when you exercise authority? It's like that police officer, he holds his hand up, blows a whistle for them big cars and trucks to stop. He has to have faith in the authority that stands behind him when he raises his hand. He has to have enough faith to know that there's enough power, the whole city behind him. If he's a soldier, the whole country's behind him. He has to know there's enough power and authority to cause them cars and trucks to stop. They're not stopping for him, they're stopping because of that uniform he's wearing and the authority that it represents. Yeah. And so you gotta have faith when you're exercising authority. You gotta have faith with everything you do in the kingdom of God. Amen. So faith is always involved when we exercise authority. And there's times when uh, we exercise authority over a spirit or over an influence and it doesn't come out or it doesn't leave immediately uh, when we speak the word of faith. But if they don't, you can't allow yourself to get upset with it. You know, problems just don't disappear overnight. Sometimes they do. Sometimes you can say a prayer here, speak a word here, and when you get home, the problem that was plaguing you at home is gone. Amen? Amen. Amen. And other times you have to stand until it's gone. <coughs> Excuse me. But we've got to base our faith on what the Word says and the Word only. We don't base our faith on past experiences, what somebody else experienced, what you were taught, or what you uh, believe, or things that uh, you've seen happen before. You base your faith on the Word of God and the Word only. Because the Word might be contrary to what you believe. It might be contrary to what you think. And so you have to adjust your, your believing and you have to adjust your thinking to conform to the Word. So, uh, you know, a lot of times we base our faith on what we see. 
If we didn't see something happen, then we, our faith is shaken and we don't think our faith worked. We didn't think our authority over the matter worked. And, but it's not based on what happens or doesn't happen. Your faith is based on the spoken word, what you, what you uh, spoke with the word. And, and a lot of times we'll operate in the sense realm because we, we expect to see something happen. And when it doesn't happen, we don't think it worked. But that doesn't take faith when you see something happen. It takes faith when you believe it's going to happen, when everything is contrary to what you just spoke or what you just prayed. But just because you didn't think, just because you didn't see something happen doesn't mean something didn't happen. Ms. Amy, you need help out there tonight? Okay. She's taking the crew out to play basketball. Praise the Lord. But when circumstances don't change immediately, then we think it didn't work and we, we get into the sense realm and we start speaking doubt and unbelief and all, I knew that stuff wasn't going to work. You know, I tied for three weeks one time and nothing happens. <laughs> so that stuff doesn't work. No, you keep at it until something does happen. Amen? Don't give the devil dominion. Uh, let me show you an ex excellent example of what I'm talking about. Turn to Mark 11. Mark chapter 11. Let's read with the 12th verse. It says, And on the morrow, the next day, when they, Jesus, and his disciples were come from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree afar off, having leaves, he came, if happily he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. Now, when a, a fig tree is showing leaves, it means it has figs, because the figs come out first. As a matter of fact, the leaves push the figs out. So for that tree to have leaves, it should have had figs. So when he gets to it, it doesn't have any figs. And so it was like a, a hypocrite tree. It was waving its leaves in the wind and saying, look at me. I'm fruitful. I have fruit. And so when Jesus got there, it didn't have any fruit. It wasn't fruitful. It was a hypocrite tree. And then the Bible says, And Jesus answered and said unto it. Now, I didn't know the tree asked him a question. Apparently, something was going on between him and that tree. But he answered and said unto it, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. He cursed the tree. Why? Because it was unfruitful. It was a hypocrite tree. It was advertising fruit and it didn't have any. So he came there looking for fruit, but there was no fruit on it. So he curses it and says, no man eat hereafter, uh, eat from thee hereafter forever. And then he just walked away. So we can learn something about faith right here because Jesus spoke the word and then went his way. He didn't stand there waiting for something to change. He just went his way. So here's, here's the thing me and Pastor Red was excited about this morning. Jesus didn't wonder whether his words had worked or not. He spoke them and just walked away in faith that what he said would come to pass. 
And, and so Jesus and his disciples leave for Jerusalem. So this, this works for anything. You know, that's what faith is all about. You speak the word, and whether you see something happen or, or not, you go your way. But you don't go your way wondering if something is going to happen or not. You go your way knowing that you spoke the word, and the word works, and exactly what you spoke, you expect to happen. And Jesus probably went uh, to bed that night and slept like a baby. He didn't worry about that tree. Now his disciples, that, that was another story. So it says Jesus and the disciples left for Jerusalem. So look at Mark eleven twenty. Now they're coming back. This is the next day, the next morning. And in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter calling to remember saith unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou cursed is withered away. So he was surprised about it. So when Jesus spoke to it, he probably scratched his head and said, I don't see nothing happening. So what does that mean? He's walking by senses. He, wasn't, he was walking by sight, not by faith. He was looking for something to happen. Something didn't happen. He said, oh, well, that's the end of it. But Jesus answered and said unto him, have faith in God. He's telling them why the tree withered when he spoke to it. He says, have faith in God. For surely I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. So here he says, shall not doubt in his heart. That's where faith is produced. And so you get faith by hearing the word, but it's produced in the heart. That's where faith operates. Your tongue is the trigger for your faith. And so he spoke it. He expected it to happen. And then he says in verse 24, Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray or when you speak, because that's what praying is, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. When do you believe you receive them? When you pray, when you spoke. So when Jesus spoke to that fig tree, he believed right then that it was going to be withered up from the roots. Second Corinthians 5, 7 says we walk by faith and not by sight. So Jesus wasn't, wasn't walking by what he seen. He was walking by his faith in the words that he spoke. He is the word. Amen. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. John 1, 1 through 3. So He's the Word, the living Word, so anything He speaks is going to happen. And so that's the very basis of faith. Faith is walking by what God says instead of by what you see. Because God says, because what God says will change what you see. What God says will change what you see. The word will change what you see if you speak it and you hold to it. So faith is placing your confidence in the truth, which is God's word. There's only one truth in this world, and that is God's word. Amen? God's word has to take precedence above any 
of our experiences, anything that we heard, anything that we were taught, it has to take precedence over our beliefs, our opinions, or, or our doctrines, or anything else. God's word has to take precedence. Psalms 138.2, the latter part of it, tells us that God's word is so important that he has magnified his word above all his name. He magnified his word above his name. He elevated his word above his name. And how many knows there's nothing greater than the name of Jesus? There's no greater name, and not in this world or, as in, or in the world to come. We just prayed that in our Ephesian prayer. And uh, so as important and great as God's name is, God has placed the integrity of his word above even his name. So God's word is truth. He states his name on it. Amen. And so the only real truth that we'll ever find in this world is the word of God. And I'm not saying that, you know, everything is not truthful. Everything is a lie. I'm saying that when you compare something to the word of God and it doesn't measure up, then you deny that and you take God's word for it because God's word is the truth. His word is not a truth. Now, you may come across a truth. You may come across a fact. But that doesn't mean it's the truth. And even the truth is greater than a fact. Because what is a fact? A fact is something that you know is happening. Something is, you know, like you, you've got sickness in your body. That's a fact. But it's not the truth. What's the truth? The truth is by Jesus' stripes you're healed. So are you going to believe the fact or are you going to believe the truth? If you believe the truth, the fact is going to change. Because the word will change what you see. Amen. Hang on to that. So we can believe that the word that we speak in faith, we can be confident that we will have what we say. That's what Jesus did. He spoke to that tree and he got what he said. Now remember what we said Sunday. We're not moved by what we see, what we hear, what we feel. We're moved only by the word that we believe and we need to stand our ground. Yes. Even when everything is contrary to what the word says, we stand our ground because it's subject to change. So Brother Hagen says the door to exercising authority pivots upon two phrases that Paul prayed in two Ephesian prayers, the one we just read, and then another one in Ephesians 2, 6. But the one we just read in verse uh, 20, uh, the latter part of it, it says, and set him, Jesus, at his own right hand, God's right hand, in the heavenly places. So that's one phrase, and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Then in Ephesians 2, 6, it says, uh, and hath raised us up together with him. So Christ was raised and seated, raised from the dead, and seated at God's right hand, the place of favor, the place of authority. And we were raised up together with them, Ephesians 2, 6 says. So where are we seated? That's right. We're seated with Jesus at the right hand of God. This is positionally speaking. 
So that's the place of favor and authority. So the same favor and authority that God has placed on Jesus, Jesus has placed on the body of Christ, has placed on the church. He's conferred that authority upon the church, his body. So Christ was raised up and seated at God's right hand. We were raised up together with him. We're seated at the right hand of God. And uh, if we meditate on these two prayer, prayers, learn to pray them for ourselves on a regular basis and feed on that truth until it becomes a part of our inner consciousness, then we'll exercise authority and dominion over the devil at a level that we've never done it before. Now I'm talking about him in your life. Is anybody being harassed? Has anybody got particular problems, influences that have been really bothering you? You have authority over them. And you have authority over certain areas of your children's lives and those that you're responsible for. But they have to make their own decisions just like you do. So learn how to exercise authority in your life. Amen? It always works in your life. You can start or stop doing anything in your life. But you can't make others stop doing or start doing something. That's right. So we have we we can't just accept these things mentally. We've got to get the revelation of them in our hearts. Now notice that not only is Christ seated at the right hand of the Father above all powers uh, in Satan's realm, but we're there too because God hath raised up us up together with Him. So not, not only have we been made to sit, but notice where we're sitting. He said, far above all principality and power and dominion and might. So we're sitting above all of these things that we're allowing to dominate us and harass us and torment us. We're sitting above all of these problems. Amen. So we've got authority over these things that are happening in our life. We just need to exercise it and we need to exercise it with faith. But in the mind of God, we're raised, we were raised when Christ was raised. And when Christ sat down, we sat down as well. And that's where we are now. But positionally speaking, I know we're down here on the earth. We're the body of Christ. He's the head. He's in heaven. But positionally speaking, spiritually, and in the realm of authority, we're seated with him. Yes. At the right hand of the Father. The act of Christ being seated implies that for the time being, at least, certain aspects of his word uh, or his works are suspended, so to speak. His, his work isn't complete yet. He's going to come back to earth. He's going to complete his works. But right now, his works have been suspended. Why? Because we're in the earth doing his works. Amen? All the authority that was given to Christ belongs to us through him. And we have the right to exercise it. We help him by carrying out his work upon the earth. Remember Jesus said, the works that I do shall you do also, and greater works than these shall you do. And the greater works are being done because there's more of us than there was of him when he walked the earth by himself. One aspect of his work is that, that the word of God tells us to do is to conquer the, the enemy, conquer the devil. In fact, Christ can't do his work on the earth without us. I know that's an unusual statement. And some will argue, well, he can get along without me, but I can't get along without him. That's not true. It's a reciprocal relationship. 
Amen. He can't get along without you any more than you can get along without him. Because what? We're his body in the earth. Uh, the truth that Paul is bringing out here in Ephesians is that Christ is the head and we are the body. And what if your body said, I can't get along without, I, I can get along without, I'm, I'm sick of you, head, and I'm going to leave. The body can't do that. You can't survive without the head. So you, your body can't get along without the head. What if your head said, well, I can get along without my body. I don't need it. I can get along without my hands and my feet. No, you can't. You might be able to get some things done, but you are going to be severely handicapped. Well, his body is in the earth. His hands and feet is in the earth. His voice is in the earth. And if he wants to get something done, he needs to, to operate through his body. And we as the body need to operate from what the head is telling us to do. Right hand, raise. Left hand, raise. Right hand, lower. Left hand, lower. My head is telling my hand what to do. And my hand's obeying. So, you know, Paul even gives the analogy of a body. You know, can the, can the uh, hand say it has no need of the, the arm? Can the arm say it has no need of the shoulder? No, we, uh, we're, we're all parts in particular and we all work together. Uh, although we're many different parts, we're one body. Amen. And, and when one part isn't working, well, the body still functions, but again, it functions at a handicap. It's not doing as well as it could be doing if all the parts were working. Amen? Amen. So that's why what I mean by say Christ can't get along without us. If he wants to put a, a, a hand on and uh, Ernest's shoulder and tell him everything's going to be all right, Ernest, you're going to make it. How's he going to do it? Through one of, one of us, a member of his body. I put my hand on Ernest's shoulder for God. I love Ernest for God. I mean, God loves us all, but, but I'm saying that if, if Ernest needs a helping hand, if Ernest needs a, a word of encouragement, if he needs a hug, somebody down here has to do it. Amen? Amen? Now, God can do it. I know you know that. God can do it. But he works through his body. So he needs us and we need him. Amen. And his work will never be done apart from us. And we can never get along without him. Ephesians 6.12 uh, tells us, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So if you take this verse out of its setting and go on talking about this, this awful fight that we're in with the devil and, you know, he knocks me down every day and knocks me back, but I get back up and, oh, he's doing this and he's quick glorifying the devil. He's under your feet. You have authority over him. See, if you're doing that, you've missed the whole point that Paul was making. Uh, that's not what he's saying in Ephesians here. Remember, when Paul wrote this letter to the church at Ephesus, he didn't divide it into chapters and verses. The scholars did that so that we could have ref reference points in the Bible. And we could say, you know, chapter 7, verse 6 says this or that, you know. But there's no chapters or verse in the original text. It's all one writing. And you can do great harm to the scripture sometimes by picking out a verse 
and taking it out of a chapter, taking it out of its setting and making it say something that it doesn't really say. The Holy Spirit through Paul already said in the second chapter that we're seated above these powers and these authorities and this spiritual wickedness and in high places. We're seated above them. You know, we're not fighting with them in that sense. We're far above them. And not only is Christ seated at the right hand of the Father far above all these powers, but we're there too with him, and that's what we have to remember. God made us to sit together with him in heavenly places. So in our battle against the enemy and his forces, we need to keep in mind that we're above them, that we do have authority over them. Not to say that he's not going to attack us. He is, but we have all the armor that we need. We have the weapons that we need. We have the shield of faith to quench all the fiery darts that the enemy throws at us. And the, besides that, the, the, the word tells us that the Lord has already conquered him. So if we died when he died, if we were buried when he was buried, if we were raised when he was raised, if we were seated in heavenly places when he was seated in heavenly places, then when he conquered the devil, we conquered the devil. And we have to walk in that authority. The, the victory belongs to us, but we have to carry it out. Remember, we're not walking towards victory. We're walking from victory. So we have to, you know, we've already been saved. We have to walk out our salvation. We've already been healed. We have to walk out our healing. We have to exercise the authority that's been given us. I'm going to tell you a short story about Brother Hagin, is right, this is quoted right from his book, but it's an interesting story. It's a, uh, I don't know if it was a vision or a visitation, but it was, it was uh, Jesus actually met with Brother Hagin in this particular story. It happened in 1952. I was a little boy back then. <laughs> 1952, Lord. Yeah, I was a little boy back then when he had this vision. So he was in the ministry a long time. But he called the story the, the, the demon that Jesus refused to deal with. So in 1952, I'm just quoting from the book, the Lord Jesus Christ appeared to me in a vision and talked to me for about an hour and a half about the devil, demons, and demon possession. At the end of that vision, an evil spirit that looked like a little monkey or an elf ran between Jesus and me and spread something like a smoke screen or a dark cloud. This is what he's seen in the vision, you know? And, and people say, well, now, why, you know, what's so special about Brother Hagin? Why did uh, Jesus appear to him personally? Well, if you look back on it now and, and, and see, see the ministry that Brother Hagin brought into this earth, I mean, his Rhema graduates, you know, he started Rhema, and Rhema graduates are in some 90-some nations, or 120 nations. I don't know what it is now. It was like 80 nations when I went to school back in 92. But it's probably over a hundred nations now 
has a the sun never rises or sets except on a rhema church or a rhema ministry all over the world you know she's got this worldwide ministry got millions of people being saved through the fruits of this ministry and so uh, jesus even though he didn't know it at the time jesus was preparing him for this ministry so it takes special things like visions and stuff for that i've never had a vision I had a dream, but I think it was from overeating before I went to bed. But he had actual visions. He had times, he was laying in, in a hospital room one time. He, he threw his shoulder out of whack and they ran, ran to the hospital to reset his shoulder. And he said he heard somebody walking down the hallway. And then his door opened and walked into his room. And it was Jesus, pulls up a chair and visits with him for about two hours. You know, this happened to him like on three different occasions where he had these visits visitation but anyway he's in this vision and a demon begins jumping up and down crying in a shrilly voice yakety yak yakety yak yakety yak he says i couldn't see jesus or understand what he was saying because of all this noise and through the entire experience jesus was teaching him something and if you'll be attentive you'll find the answer here to many things that have troubled you he said, I couldn't understand why Jesus allowed the demon to make such a racket. I wondered why Jesus didn't just rebuke the demon so I could hear what he was saying. He says, I waited a few moments, but Jesus didn't take any action against the demon. Jesus was still talking to me, but I couldn't understand a word he was saying. And I needed to because he was given instructions concerning the devil, demons, and how to exercise authority. I thought to myself, doesn't the Lord know I'm not hearing what he wanted me to hear? I need to hear that and I'm missing it. I almost panicked. I became so desperate I cried out. In the name of Jesus, you foul spirit, I command you to stop. The minute I said that, the little demon hit the floor like a sack of salt. And the black cloud disappeared. The demon laid there trembling, whimpering, and whining like a whipped pup. He wouldn't even look at me. He said, I not only told him to shut up, but I told him to get out of here in Jesus' name. I command you. And he ran off. So the Lord knew exactly what was on my mind. I was thinking, why didn't he do something about that? Why did he permit it? And Jesus looked at me and said, if you hadn't done something about that, he said, I couldn't have. And that came as a real shock to me. It, astound, it astounded me. I replied, Lord, I know I didn't hear you right. You said you wouldn't, didn't you? And Jesus replied, I said, no. If you hadn't done something about that, I couldn't have. So I went through this four times with him. He was emphatic about it, saying, no, I didn't say I would not. I said, I could not. I said, this brother Hayden, of course, talking. I said, now, dear Lord, I just can't accept that. I never heard or preached anything like that in my life. I told the Lord, I didn't care how many times I saw him in visions, he would have to prove this to me by at least three scriptures out of the New Testament. You know, he, he, put, he put Jesus' word back on him, you know, because, uh, you know, the Bible says, out of the mouth of two to three witnesses shall every word be established. So he's going to establish the word through the word. And he says, uh, 
you have to prove this to me by at least three scriptures out of the New Testament because we're not living under the old covenant. We're living under the new. And Jesus smiled sweetly and said that he would give me four. I said, I've read through the New Testament 150 times. He's telling the word how many times he read the word. And many portions of it more than that. If that is in there, I don't know it. I've never seen it. So Jesus replied, son, there's a lot in there you don't know. He said, he continued, not one single time in the New Testament is the church ever told to pray that God the Father or Jesus would do anything against the devil. And in fact, to do so is to waste your time. So he told him, the word told him that it's not in the word that we would do anything with the demon or the devil. So the believer is told to do something about the devil. The reason is because you have the authority to do it. The church is not to pray to God the Father about the devil. The church is to exercise the authority that belongs to it. The New Testament tells believers themselves to do something about the devil. The least member of the body of Christ has just as much power over the devil as anyone else. And unless believers do something about the devil, nothing will be done in a lot of areas. You know how many believers pray that God would do something about uh, demon activities in their lives? And then he said, we believe that certain people have power. No, Jesus said, the least member of the body, Christ, has just as much power over the devil as anyone else. And when we start believing that, that's when we're going to get the job done. So Jesus continued, I've done all I'm going to do about the devil until the angel comes down from heaven, takes the chain and binds him and puts him into the bottomless pit uh, of Revelation, I think it's chapter 20, he talks about that. And Brother Hagin said, that game is a real shock to me. Now he said, I'll give you the four references that prove that. First of all, when I rose from the dead, I said, all power authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth Matthew 28 18 Jesus has given him chapter and verse now and the word power means authority but I immediately delegated my authority on earth to the church and I can work only through the church for I am the head of the church so your head can't exercise any authority anywhere except through the body the second reference Jesus gave was Mark 16, 15 through 18. He said unto him, Go ye in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So he gave all that authority, all that del he delegated all that authority and power to the body of Christ, to the church. He said, you know, and when he rose from the dead, he just come from the bowels of hell. He just defeated Satan, made a show of him openly, marched him through the corridors of hell and three spiritual realms, beneath the earth, above the earth, and, and in the heavens, 
and, and he showed him uh, that he triumphed over him, took the keys to death, hell, and the grave, all the, stripped him of all his authority, and he rose with that authority, and immediately after he said, all authority has been given unto me, he gave it to the church. Why? Because he wasn't going to be here. So the very first sign mentioned as following any believer, not just the pastor, not an evangelist, is that they, the believers, shall cast out devils. That means that in my name they shall exercise authority over the devil because I have delegated my authority over the devil to the church. Remember Colossians 1.13 says, Who hath, past tense, delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath, past tense, translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. And one translation says, the Father has delivered us from the power of darkness. Again, that's the, the, the Greek word power here for authority. So the verse should read, the Father hath delivered us from the authority of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. You know, darkness is uh, related to demon activity and uh, walking on serpents and, you know, is, has to do with uh, demon activity and things in your life. If there's darkness operating or trying to operate in your life, it's demon activity. I mean, you're not going to see a little two-foot-tall, green-eyed, snotty-nosed, little raggedy demon harassing you. You know, Brother Hayden seen that for a purpose. There was a reason for that in that vision. But that isn't how it comes to you. You know, it's just like Paul said, uh, a messenger of Satan hath been sent to buffet me. So what does that mean? That, that means that everywhere he went, Satan was going to stir up trouble for him. The kingdom of darkness was going to operate against him. And so he was learning that he had authority over that stuff in his own life and he would take authority over it and you know paul had a tremendous ministry on the earth and if the devil could have taken him out he would have did it before paul uh set up all these different churches and did all the teaching and writing of the new testament that he did but they couldn't why because paul understood his authority and, and what i'm saying is you don't have to have the devil or his his demons or a demon activity or the powers of darkness knocking you from pillar to post and running running through your life every single day you have authority over that you have the ability and the power to do something about that and if you don't you're going to sit in it and he's going to continue doing it and taking advantage of you because he's a big bully and sooner or later you have to put your foot down and say no i'm not accepting this and it's going to be a fight you know pastor and i are in a fight right now but we know we have the authority. He don't want to give it up. And, and, and when we pray, I, I pray over her in the morning. I pray over her every night. I call it, uh, honey, it's time for me to wash you with the water of the word, you know. And she goes like this, and I just pray for her, you know. And, and one of the things that I say is that, Satan, we're standing on the word of God. We're trusting the word of God. We're trusting God, and we will stand longer than you will stand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you might as well pack up and get out now. We're not quitting. We're not giving up. We know our authority, and we're going to exercise it over you. And every every time we pray, 
we, we remind him who's in charge here. Amen? And, and like I said, just because we don't see something happen immediately doesn't mean it's not happening. When Jesus spoke to that tree, the disciples probably all looked for some kind of manifestation above ground and nothing happened. And they said, oh well. But Jesus knew somewhere down in that ground, way down deep in the ground, at the furthest root on that tree, that root said, ouch. I just felt something. And then it went further up, another root, another root, another root, and that thing was withered from the root on up. Amen. What does that mean? That means that uh, if you destroy the root of something, it's not coming back. That's right. That's like with the weed. We spray them, and, and two weeks later, the weed is back. Why? You didn't get to the root. If you dig that root out, that, that weed is done. Now, you may get another weed, but it's not going to be that one. And so that's what we got to do is we don't speak to the symptoms that we see. We speak to the root. We speak to the very thing that's causing the symptom. And that's what we take authority over. That's what we exercise our authority over. The symptoms, the coughing or the a fever or a headache or whatever that's just a symptom but there's a real underlying problem somewhere so we don't you know just like when you go to a doctor most of the times uh, they're treating the symptoms but that doesn't always get to the root of the problem but when they recognize what's causing the symptom and they got a medication for it then they get to the root of the problem and that's what we have to do too we don't we just don't walk by sight and, and are, are motivated or pushed from pillar to post over the symptoms, we determine what the source of it is. And that's what we've been trying to determine for the last six months, all these tests, all these doctors, we're going to get to the source of it. And there's something in here that we're learning. We're learning a lot of things as we go along the way, trust me. And, and one of them is how to stand <laughs> and, and how to not focus on what you're seeing. Amen? If you focus on that, you're done. You lost. So, let's see. He said, The Father has delivered us from the authority of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. So that means that God has already delivered us from the authority of darkness. So we shouldn't be walking in any kind of a darkness. Darkness doesn't have authority over us. We just need to turn on the light and darkness is gone. Amen? Yeah. Darkness never overcomes light. Darkness, right. I don't even think darkness is a tangible thing, but light is. You know, if we turn the lights off, this room would be dark. But darkness is just the absence of light. But when we come in here to flip a switch, darkness is gone. It's dispelled. So what's that old saying? Don't curse the darkness. Light a match. Yes. Overcome the darkness. Yes. So we got a right to speak to darkness. We got a right to speak to any kind of demon activity. We got a right to speak to wrong things in our life and expect something to change. And then, of course, you know, sometimes we have to change some things. So Satan and his kingdom can't be telling us what to do or dictating our lives. Amen? Amen. So we're going we're gonna to quit right here.
maybe pick up again here next Wednesday, Lord willing, and take this a little bit further. Now, this is a very small book, you know, it's only a hundred some pages, but uh, I've been putting a lot in it too, so it's going to take a little longer to get through it, but uh, it, it's, a, it's definitely a deep subject. There's a lot of things to be learned about authority. But the main thing that we have to uh, learn, and that's by meditating on these different prayers, especially in Ephesians 1 and 2, meditate on those prayers and get to the place where we understand our authority and we start exercising it in our life. You know, it's just like this body. We have authority over our bodies. And we should be telling these bodies what to do. And, you know, if your body says, I want to smoke, I want to drink, I want to overeat, I want to do this, I want to do that, it's up to you to exercise authority over it and say, no, you're not going to eat that. No, you're not going to drink that. No, you're not going to smoke. No, you're not going to sleep till 10 o'clock in the afternoon. Yes, you are going to get up at 6 o'clock. Yes, you are going to go to work. And if the boss offers you overtime, yes, you are going to take that overtime. You have to be in charge. You have authority over your body. It's the same way with demon activity or darkness that's trying to operate in your life. You have to exercise your authority over it. Amen. And I know I'm, they said, look at him. Big old boy standing up there talking about authority over a body. Yeah, I, you know, I eat things I shouldn't eat once in a while. I let my body get away with a few things here and there. But there's things I draw the line at, and there ain't no amount of pressure or temptation or anything else going to cause me to give up my authority over it. And that's what we have to do. Just make up your mind. Because you have the authority to do it. Just say, no more. I'm not doing it. I'm not allowing it. No more. Amen? Amen? God bless you. Let's get out of here. We'll see you on Sunday. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening. We pray that it's been a blessing to you. For more information about FFC or its ministries, please contact the church office. God bless you, and remember, Jesus is Lord.